0: Welcome to the MVP show. Today I'm chatting with Rachel Profit, also known as the Dynamics 365 lady and a Microsoft trainer extraordinaire. We're going to chat about Microsoft talent and a little on the f side of things, as well as learn about her wonderful dog and her desire for giant cats. Anyhow, if you want the full show notes, you can visit nz365guy.com forward slash 65. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the MVP show. I'm here with Rachel. How are you? Good. How are you, Mark? Good, good, good. Good to have you on the call. And I've got to say, you're my first MVP on the call in the dynamic space that doesn't come from a um, customer service background or customer engagement, but comes from more the finance and operation and talent side of things. Is that right? Yeah. You've only been an MVP for about a year, but you've kind of seemed to have been doing a lot in the community for some time. Um, I'm surprised that it's uh, taken so long. If you like for you to get nominated and get into the program, it's good to have you in.
1: Thanks. I'm glad to be a part of the program
0: mm hmm and so kind of what was your journey what what's what have you been working on over the last i see fourteen years in the dynamic space what are, what's been your focus and what are you focusing on at the moment?
1: Sure it's actually been about seventeen years um and I started out as an end user um and I spent about five years on that side before I made the transition to uh the partner side um and so that was about twelve years ago um almost 13 now, and I started out doing support um, for clients who were using, at the time it was AX4O, and we had a few 2009 clients back in the day. And I did that for a handful of years and decided that um, I really was passionate about training and decided to develop a a training program. So back then I worked for Junction Solutions and I created what we called the Junction Academy. And for the last probably seven, eight years, I've been focusing in on training programs for clients who are using Dynamics AX and now the new finance and operations. Um, As of November 1st, I've switched Um, kind of roles yet again. And now I'm doing pre-sales and solution architecture for our existing install base, as well as um, all of the new kind of Dynamics 365 for Talent.
0: Actually, what I didn't ask is, is what part of the world do you come from?
1: I'm, I'm based out of uh, Denver, Colorado. I've lived here in Denver for about 12 years. Um, I was born and raised in northern Indiana. Um, I, I hail from the RV capital of the world. It's also the brass musical instrument capital of the world.
0: And so, so uh, are you up in like in, in the snow region of, of um, Colorado or, uh, or you're more low level?
1: Um, more lower level. I mean, we are pretty high up, um, I'm, but I'm on the, the front range. So um, I'm at my house is at about 5,800 feet. The office where I work is more like 5,200 feet above sea level. Um, it's about a good hour to two hour drive to get up to the ski slopes.
0: What, what fascinates me about Colorado is apparently every, I don't know how frequent it is, but every now and again they um, erect the largest bungee jump platform in the world, or the highest. And uh, I've I've done the highest bungee jump in New Zealand, but I know that Colorado has the record for the highest in the world. So uh, I don't know if you've ever uh, attempted a bungee before.
1: I, I haven't. I don't have a whole lot of luck with uh, things where my, I don't have two feet firmly planted on the ground.
0: <laughs> I, I like a bit of extremism every now and again. But anyhow, t- tell tell me, so what made you move to Denver?
1: You know, um, I had just gotten married, um, and um, a lot of it had to do with the job, so I um – I was working in Elkhart, and uh, when I left um, that company, I had some job offers from a couple different firms, one in Chicago, one in Indianapolis, and one here in Denver. And um, my husband and I just really loved Colorado and being outdoors, and just the the beauty out here is just, it's unmatched. It's hard to find, you know, the, the weather and just the... The people, everything about Colorado I love. So it it really only made sense to accept the job offer here in Denver and and that was really where we wanted to live long term. So
0: Nice. And what about the food? What what about the food?
1: You know, the food out here is is great. There's a lot of variety, especially if you like the Tex Mex thing. There's a lot of that uh going on. But Surprisingly enough, even though we don't have any oceans, you can find some pretty good sushi um, in the area as well. And because we're in the tech center, um, it's a very technology-rich area, there's a lot of ethnic food as well. And I love um, Vietnamese food, Indian food, all the different kinds of food. So there's a lot of variety here.
0: I love it I love it people keep saying when they listen to uh, the MVP show that uh, they feel hungry or they need to go and get something to eat so just you talking about the uh, uh, you know the, the the sushi and whatnot just uh, definitely put an appetite on for me but tell me about your uh, how, how did you end up becoming an MVP it's happened in the last 18 months has it
1: I was actually um, I was awarded November 1st of last year so it's been just over a year. Um, I was actually, I had been nominated for about seven years, um, in a row before I actually won the award. Um, you know, and I wish I knew (laughs) what it was specifically that I changed or did differently because in my opinion, I, I didn't really change anything, but, um, I think uh, a group of of women had, had actually kind of bonded together and was like, we decided here in the U.S. there was a, a group of us that we need more women um, MVPs, you know, in this program. And so we put a little program together and we would meet. Um, and we were actually working with Belinda Allen, who is an MVP on the Great Plains side, and I believe now she's also focusing in on the power platform stuff. Um, I think she's taken up some of that. Yeah. That's a smart move. She was kind of coaching and mentoring a group of, of us, um, you know, what it takes to be an MVP. And I think a lot of it just had to do with, with meeting the right people and making the right connections with Microsoft and, and some other existing MVPs to, to really get the word out there that, um, you know, uh, I should be an MVP. So um, I was I was highly honored when I I got the award. I had kind of emotionally given up because um, I was like, I guess I just don't have what it takes. Um, and so when I got the award finally, I was like, this is awesome. Um, and it's been it's been great ever since.
0: Has anything changed? As in, do you do you find that? Yeah anything change?
1: Like for, for me personally, um, I feel, and I, I make a joke a lot of times I say like the, the rich get richer and I do kind of feel that way a little bit. Um, I've definitely had some great speaking opportunities that I wouldn't have otherwise had. And I love to speak and and present. I would also say, um, you know, having that kind of network, of MVPs and Microsoft people that you can bounce ideas off of um, has been super helpful and it actually helps me in my day to day with my clients to get you know quick answers and you know solutions to problems that you know we find you know in trying to deal with the day to day of implementing an ERP or
0: CRM system. Listen, I've got a question to ask you about dynamics three six five and uh, because it's kind of a question I haven't asked people from the finance side of things been stuck in my little uh, former CRM world. But what did you think of the name, um, you know, the name changes, if you like, of combining, um, you know, AX and CRM, you know, the, or the ERP and the CRM under one brand moniker? What did you, what did you think of it and um, has it caused any problems in the last couple of years since that name change happened?
1: such a great question so you know i think the 365 part of the branding and even the dynamics part i think is genius on microsoft's part especially when we look at the the story and the platform and how it's matured over the last several years um the the story with office 365 there's no mistake that you know dynamics 365 has such a similar name now i will tell you the the finance and operations is a bit of a mouthful um, and as a trainer and someone who has to stand up in front of people and, and say that, um, it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. Um, and from a branding standpoint, it, it definitely has, has thrown some curveballs to me and my team um, because it originally was being called Dynamics AX7, and then they took off the 7, and then they decided to call it Finance and Operations Enterprise Edition, then they took off the Enterprise Edition. Uh, so in the last two and a half years, I think I've gone through five rebrandings. And when you manage the amount of content that me and my team. Manage. Um, I, every now and then, we still find old references, so where it'll just say operations, or it'll just say um, you know something else. And uh, it's it's definitely been a little bit difficult to to get all the content updated. And I, I still sit there fearing the the next rename. Like, what are they gonna call it now? But I think it's a smart move from a marketing standpoint. Um, maybe it's not the the smoothest, fastest, easiest product to say, but um, I'm I'm excited to see, you know, the the direction that Microsoft's going to go in the next few years, especially as the platform continues to mature.
0: And what are your thoughts then on the other two kind of finance packages out there, the Business Central and, of course, GP is still in play?
1: Yeah, you know, Business Central, I think um, w- we have a fair um, number of NAV customers who are, you know, really excited about the Business Central offering. Um, I don't know a lot about it. I've seen a, a handful of demos, um, and I think it, it de- definitely has a, a place in the market. Um, I think the thing that's confusing for myself and even for the, the market out there is to understand, you know, w- what's the direction of GP? We've had a handful of clients make the change. From GP over to Business Central because they want to go to the that cloud solution. Um, but I think that a lot of the GP customers are sitting there, and we have a lot of them um, at my company are sitting here, kind of scratching their heads, like, "What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to go over here? Can I stay here? Is this going to continue to be supported?" So I think there's. Still a lot of confusion um, around kind of really where where does GP sit on the roadmap and uh, from a positioning standpoint, um, but there's definitely people who want that cloud solution offering and have been able to successfully make that transition. I think a lot of our customers, though, are struggling because the ISV solutions aren't um, as vast for nav as they are for for GP
0: to me, it's very clear. as an I've watched Microsoft staff within microsoft particularly around the azure time frame when azure came along the guys that would in infrastructure whether they're doing exchange or you know sharepoint etc they would they did this pivot to azure and and, uh, and their careers totally pivoted and went that way and so what happens is i find that whenever where microsoft spends money that's kind of the direction that you want to go in and i think gp with its acquisition, et cetera, is a fantastic product. It was a, it was a tractor, if you like, a real workhorse of a, a bit of technology. And people that have put it in, it works. It does its job, but it's not part of Microsoft's future as in direction. That's that's my personal opinion. And so those that are kind of working at it and making their living off um, implementing it, I think they kind of need to pivot quickly before they find themselves um, obsolete, if you like, in a way, by staying with that technology. Those that have installed it and owned it, I think it's there for, you know, it'll keep doing what it's doing. But at the moment, there's no, if you like, there's no market opportunity, I don't think, for Microsoft to continue to build on that bit of tech.
1: Yeah, no, I I would agree. I think it's just some of the communication and clarity from Microsoft hasn't been as direct as I think the community. Yeah, might I just want don't think they.
0: I, honestly, I don't think they can be direct because it would send a message to the market that they don't necessarily want to send. It's kind of like uh, it's a it's a read between the lines scenario. I think that's 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 the, that's the situation. <laughs> that's uh yeah my feel interesting so what about um do you get any confusion of people just back on that dynamics 365 branding where they'll go you'll start a conversation and you think they're talking about uh you know let's say a finance and operation opportunity and then you realize oh they think this is actually CRM because we we have that on you know the other side Have have you come across that
1: every now and then a little bit um but um i think when you're you're working with these erp deals um i think they have a pretty good understanding and oftentimes we're selling the whole whole suite um in those deals so i think it it probably happens a little less often you know from the erp back to crm side as as maybe it does for clients that are just looking at crm but i can definitely yeah, see yeah. where that would happen awesome
0: now tell me tell me about talent i'm quite excited about talent it's kind of you know, um, uh, it looks an amazing piece of product, obviously built on the power platform. Um, what's your experience with it? And what do you think the opportunity is there with it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, the product is still a little bit young. Um, I um, have been working pretty closely with Microsoft. We developed a lot of the standard training content um, and we've been working on it internally. Um We don't have any clients that are live on it yet, um, but we have quite a few that are in flight. Um, They're part of bigger ERP projects. but I tell you what, the the attract experience um, and what they're doing with LinkedIn is just a downright amazing. I I think the you can't compete with it. Uh, the interesting thing that I've seen, kind of from my uh, experience in kind of demoing this to companies that are looking for new HRIS systems, is that. Um, some of the areas um we don't have rich enough capabilities yet and again we don't have the ISV solutions yet in the talent space to support some of these larger companies and the more robust you know needs around uh timekeeping and some more complex payroll scenarios right now the Ceridian integration is the only one that's there, and I think they're supporting U.S. and Canada only, so there's still a lot of work to be done to really get that rolled out globally, um, but Microsoft is clearly continuing to make an investment. There's a lot of quick wins that organizations can do to get off of paper systems um, and you know reduce double data entry and things like that, which I think there's a lot of value add to that in, in most organizations that. You you work with, um, I think there's a lot of exciting stuff on the roadmap as well.
0: Is there a dependency on the like a finance system behind it, or could you you implement it as you say to replace paper-based systems and just take it to a certain level and then maybe build on it in the future? Or kind of what's kind of the minimum implementation, and then kind of are there stages up to a more enterprise-type implementation you could do with talent?
1: Yeah, it's totally something that's very easy to piecemeal together. You could totally, you know, just I- implement benefits and do your open enrollment. And later, you know, later on, whenever your kind of performance reviews come in, implement it and use that particular feature set. Um, you know, the the. Kind of three big things I always like to call out to people about talent is talent by itself does not have a general ledger, so it is not a financial system. Um, So you're still going to need a financial package. um, And obviously it plays very nicely with uh, finance and operations. Um, There is an out of the box integration for that. There's also no timekeeping system inside of talent which a lot of people who are shopping for a full hris are going to expect that so um, you either have to look to finance and operations which does have a full time and attendance module or you're going to need to look to a third-party isv um, add-on solution for timekeeping and payroll same same kind of story um the system itself doesn't have a payroll system it's it's ready to integrate it's very easy to integrate with just about anything Um, there is the out-of-the-box plug-and-play integration with Ceridian, um, but again, only supported in the U.S. and Canada right like, now.
0: Interesting. Okay, so you definitely see this kind of like an ISV opportunity then with it to actually create kind of the connectors to the various you know payroll systems that would be in different geographies around the world, as well as other enhanced functionality?
1: Absolutely. I think there's a lot of opportunity to really um, extend talent and into specific industries, um, you know, labor union tracking and things like that, that can be very specific to very different regions of the world
0: and and has the rebuild of talent finished like i understood it was built on originally cds one and then you know has been ported over to our current version of cds is that has that happened or is it finished or
1: so um new environments that are deployed are being deployed on cds 2.0 or cds for apps is the official name um And um, they're still working on the migration. So if you have an older environment that was on the original CDS 1.0, they're still working on that migration and upgrading the existing environments. But um, I expect that that will be done very soon.
0: That makes sense. So, and I I wouldn't have thought they would have had a massive install base being that CDS 1 was only around for about 12 months or so. But what's the story with the LinkedIn integration? Is that kind of the real wow factor in it?
1: Um, I think LinkedIn integration does bring some wow factor, but the thing that I found when talking with HR professionals, while they really love that LinkedIn integration um, and what it offers and brings to them, the reality is is that most organizations are using a variety of job boards to post to and LinkedIn is only a small percentage of where they get their leads from um, but with the power platform in Microsoft flow it gives me that flexibility that I can connect to other things so if I want to connect to glassdoor or indeed or monster or XYZ job posting board and a lot of industries have very specific job boards that they go and post to you and, and look for candidates in. Um, the, I think the, the platform, right, Microsoft Flow is actually where you're getting the wow factor. Um, I think the other piece of the wow factor with it is it is it's so easy to use. Um, it, they haven't overcomplicated it with so many fields and buttons and clicks um, that hiring managers and recruiters and candidates are able to you know, walk up and use these solutions without a ton of training on how to use the solutions.
0: Interesting. That's incredible. Let's, let's just switch gears just talk uh, as we, we're going to be wrapping up shortly, but about being a, a Microsoft certified trainer. Um, has that kind of Uh, you know, meant that you've traveled a bit? Uh, Has it taken you new countries and things like that with your training hat on?
1: Yeah, you know, um, I have been kind of all over um, the world in terms of training. Um, It's actually been very difficult to maintain my MCT with Dynamics 365. Um, because the the exam requirements and the exams have kind of evolved and have changed in the last six months to a year. Um, So I'm scrambling trying to take a bunch of more certifications, even though I already have like 40 of them. I need two more to have the exact right combination in order to maintain my MCT. But um, yeah, I mean, I think having that MCT has afforded me opportunities to work with Microsoft. Um, I've delivered a lot of different Types of programs. I was involved in Fast Tracks back in Fargo. I've been involved in the Accelerate program, which is available to partners. Um, I've, you know, obviously I do a lot of training myself, uh, you know, running our training organization. And, and we, we do get a lot of demand from a lot of different areas um, to, to teach people how to use finance and operations
0: you've put a lot of courses together, you know, from you know, from the get-go, created training content. What do you find that's the hardest part from, let's say, getting the concept you need to build a course to teach X through to actually delivering that and whether that's in micro-learning nowadays or instructor-led training, whichever format? What part do you find, if you like, is that you have to invest the most effort um, in that kind of, you know, from the idea to delivery?
1: The actual written content is actually the hardest, where you have to like write out sentences. Step by steps aren't really too bad. We have tools on finance and ops, especially you know with the task recorder, and even Windows has tools to help with that. But um, kind of the con- the conceptual information, and giving your content context of kind of why you're doing something I think is the hardest part to develop and envision and um, estimate how much effort. I think a lot of times people underestimate how much effort um, and time it will take to do that Um, because anyone can write out step-by-steps of how to create a sales order or purchase order, whatever it might be. It's that kind of conceptual um, information, the scenario based information that's a lot harder to develop and a lot harder to plan as well.
0: I, I was interested in just, you know, what you would have picked, but it's the bit that I, I find the most difficult as well is actually writing out that content and getting the story, if you like, behind it. Um, so interesting, interesting. So just, uh, a, a, I like to wrap up with a few quick fire questions at the end, which are kind of, you know, they don't have to be technology focused, They're just more about you and, um, uh, some a bit off the wall. I won't ask you, uh, the two extreme ones because I don't know you that well just yet, but, um, kind of what motivates you? What kind of gets you up in the morning, gets you going each day?
1: I really like being like, the smartest person in the room i i like i'm a I'm a showgirl through and through right I put me in put me in coach I'm ready to play. Um, that's, that's, I think what really drives me. I like the attention. I like the gratitude, um, you know, that I, that people feel when I'm able to share something with them and they, they learn something and they're excited about it. I I love that feeling. So I think it's, it's all kind of centered around, you know, being, being in, in the spotlight,
0: uh, which do you prefer dogs or cats?
1: dogs all the way um i have a an american eskimo he's a small white i don't know 35 pound fluff ball um and he's he's so much fun i love him he hates me because i travel a lot and like every time i come home he's like you left me <laughs> um but i i love my dog i wouldn't i i don't know what i'm going to do when he leaves me but i i'm not Anti cat either. So, I would love to have a Maine Coon. I don't know if you know anything about cats, but I'd love to have a Maine Coon. So a Maine Coon is a very large cat. It's more dog like than it is cat like. Um, they're beautiful, beautiful creatures. I encourage you to go like look it up online and find a picture of a Maine Coon.
0: Don't you have what like um, mountain lions or something in Colorado as well?
1: We do, and every now and then they come down into the city, um, you know, and wander around. Just when you
0: said it was a large cat, that's kind of like what I thought I thought of then.
1: I don't think it's as big, as, not as big as like a mountain lion. It's more like a 30-pound cat, right? More like the size of my dog. Wine or bear. Uh, wine, um, I am actually celiac, so I can't have gluten, and most beer is off-limits for me, so wine all the way. I love wine country. I actually collect wine. I have a 168-bottle wine fridge, um, in my living room, so love wine.
0: The snow of the beach? I,
1: I guess I'd have to say snow, but I hate the cold. Like, I hate the cold. I just, um... I think I hate sweating more and I am, I'm very pale. I, am I have a lot of Irish in my blood. Um, and I basically will lobster fry if I'm out in the sun, like even with sunscreen on. So I think I'd choose the, the snow.
0: Awesome. Hey, it's been great having you on the show. Uh, Rachel, if people want to kind of connect with you online, where can they find you, uh, from a social sense?
1: Sure. Um, You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Rachel Prophet. Um, You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm also Rachel Prophet there. So um, and then you can also follow my blog. It's um, www.dynamics365lady.com.
0: Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave feedback on your favorite podcast app. For full show notes, go to nz365guide.com forward slash 65. See you next week.